This morning, I'm going to share just a, a short word with you. I'm not going to go on and on. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's not going to, it's a, won't be as different as it was last Sunday, but it'll be, you know, well, we'll just get into it. How about that? Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I just thank you for our children. Uh, Lord, you have blessed us with children. And Lord, the sounds that our children make are the sounds of life. And God, we want to be a church that's alive. We don't want to be a dead church. Uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, that you, would, you would even excite the worship of our children, that they might lead us as they've done into your presence. Now, Father, I pray that you'd speak to us this morning. This is just a very simple message, but I pray that you'd take the simplicity of it. And, Father, you would use it in our lives, that you would touch somebody's life this morning, and through us you would touch others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about Christmas, and, and we've talked about uh, a prophetic Christmas. We talked last week about the importance of the virgin birth and, and why it was necessary. And today I just I want to talk to you about the challenge of Christmas. Christmas is, is, is more than a day that we celebrate. It's, it's really the life that we are called to live. It's the truth we are commanded to share. It, the message of Christmas is Jesus Christ. It's plain and simple. There's nothing wrong with Christmas trees and decorations and presents and, and celebrations. None of that, that. All of that stuff is good. But the ultimate, the reason that we focus on this day is Jesus Christ. It's a Savior, not just a baby born in a manger. It's a Savior who came, folks, to save us, to save His people from their sins. And the challenge of Christmas is really this. Will each of us, will I, will you, proclaim that message? Will we tell other people what has happened? And we don't just do it with our mouth. We do it with our actions. We do it with our deeds. Uh, I know many of you have... uh, have ministered to people that have needs. And, and that's one of the ways that we share Jesus is by giving to others. That's why we give gifts. That's the origin of gift giving is because God gave the greatest gift. And so nothing's wrong with, with the different things that we do, but, but we have to share that message. And the question really is this morning, are we willing? Are we willing just to share? You say, well, I don't know all the verses. I don't know this. I don't know. Then just share what you know. If Jesus has made a difference in your life, just tell somebody. God will lead you to somebody that needs your message. Okay? He won't lead you to the college professor who's got 10,000 questions that none of us can answer. Okay? He'll lead somebody else that's qualified. You have to trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the person that you are uniquely fitted to share with. All of us have things that have happened in our lives. We've had experiences. And all of those things together give us a testimony that we can share. And if we'll just be faithful, God will lead us to those people. We celebrate Christmas this year because somebody was faithful to share it with us. You ever thought about that? It's not just a date on a, on a calendar. Let me just tell you, if it, were, if it were not for faithful people sharing what Christmas is truly about, it would just be a holiday where we buy and we buy and we buy 
and we buy. Okay? It, it, it would have all this trapping, but there'd be no heart to it. The reason that we do that is because for 2,000 years, people have shared the story of the birth of Christ. They've, they've been faithful. And that's one of the reasons that, 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 that we know about it. The other one is that it's factual. It really happened. This is, this is not a, a mythological story. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality. That God sent His Son when we were yet sinners to die for us. His Son was born in a manger in Bethlehem. It's a fact. It's, it's historically true. And people have been faithful to share that. That's the reason we're here this morning. We, we, we're not here just because we had a food. We're not here because, just because the kids were going to sing. We're here because the message that has made us alive is true. And so for a few moments this morning, I just want to, to show you some of those faithful people. Just, and we're going to look at one uh, uh, chapter of Scripture, and we're going to pick, pick out three or four instances. And I just want to share the very simple message that all of us need to share. And it is simple, okay? Very simple. And so, this morning, we're going to look at the faithful of that first Christmas. We're going to look at uh, those who participated in the story and those who shared it with somebody. You know, God shared the message of Christmas through angels initially. Angels came. Now, God no longer, I'm not going to say He doesn't send angels to share the message any longer, but He has us, okay? Amen. Y'all are looking at me like New Casual Gate. Well, I wish you'd send an angel to do mine. Occasionally he does, okay? I'm not going to say he doesn't. But God sent angels that, that in preparation. One of the first ones appeared to, to a man named Zacharias. Zacharias was, was the, fa- uh, the husband of Elizabeth. Zacharias was a priest. And, and an angel shared a message that you're going to be a father. And your son will be the one who comes before the Messiah. He will be the forerunner. He will be the, the, the herald who comes ahead. So he shared the message. And, and, and Zechariah, you know, his faith just wasn't enough. He just, how can that be? And what happened is, is God said, well, I, I'm going to keep that mouth closed for a little while and you're going to see that I've told you the truth. Another angel appeared uh, to a, a young virgin. And we talked about Mary last week. Mary was between... 12 and 14 years old. And Gabriel appeared to her. And he shared the truth where he shared the message that, you know what, you're going to become pregnant. And, and God's going to, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And, and she asked the question, well, how can that be? I, I, you know, how can that be? And God said, the presence of God is going to come over you. And that which is, is in your womb will be of the Holy Spirit. And, and so she, she listens and she hears it. And then another angel appears to Joseph, the man that, that was, she was betrothed to. And, and the, angel, the angel shared the message with, with, with Joseph. All these were private appearances, one-on-one, before it happened. But on the night that the birth of Jesus took place, folks, the heavens erupted. It wasn't just one angel. It was multitudes of angels. And it's interesting who they appeared to. And I'm just gonna, I want you to look with me, if you will, in, in uh, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to skip down to verse 
8. And this, all of this won't be on the screen, but I just I feel like I need to read this. So I'm going to, to this morning. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. Folks, they were scared to death. Okay, that, 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 their knees were knocking. Okay, they were terrified. And 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 the angel says to them there in Luke chapter two, verse ten and eleven. He says, "Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For behold." I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all people. Who's it for? All people. All people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you. Who's, who has the Savior been born for? Us. 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 It's been born for you a Savior who is Christ. And that word Christ means Messiah. The anointed one. The Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And, and a manger is, is a feeding trough. Okay? Uh, in this case, it, it happened probably to be a stone feeding trough. Now, the angel said, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Did you hear the message? It's, it's, it's really simple. The angel didn't try to explain how it took place. He just gave the simple message of the gospel. It's the same one that we're supposed to share. It's, 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 it's just simply this stop living in fear. I have good news for you. And it's for you. We have a Savior who came to save us from our sins. God sent him. That's what the angel said. Folks, that's not rocket scientists. Okay? All of us can share that, right? All of us meet people who are afraid. Who are not sure what's going to happen next. Who, 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 whose families are in turmoil. Whose job, maybe they don't even have a job. Maybe they have a job, but they're not sure if they'll have one tomorrow. And they're filled with fear. We meet people every day who have smiles on their face but are afraid of dying because they don't know what's going to happen next. And God has given us the message, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Well, if, how can I not be afraid? Because I've got good news for you. Good news. That's, that's what gospel means. Good news. I've got good news for you. We have a Savior, somebody who has come to save us from our sins, and God sent him. That tells me if God sent him, what he did is sufficient. I don't have to be afraid. I can relax. I can rest. And that message went to those shepherds. And then, all of a sudden, the skies erupt. It wasn't just one angel, folks. It was multitudes, multitudes. Heaven opened up, literally. I, when I think about this, I think about 4th of July, and I think about a fireworks stand, you know, where you go in, you buy your fireworks. I, I think about a match got loose in the fireworks stand, and, it, and there's fireworks going everywhere. That's what was happening in the heavens above these shepherds. 
I've had the opportunity uh, on a couple of occasions to see the shepherd fields. And, and they're just, they're up the side of, of, I mean, it's just big hills. It's not, it's not the flat grazing land we think about. It's just big hills. And so it was like sitting in an amphitheater, in a sense. And, and heaven just erupted. And, and, and there's a hallelujah come up. That's what I call it. A hallelujah come apart party takes place. I mean, heaven just goes nuts. And these shepherds, these shepherds get to hear this message. And those angels sang glory to God in the highest and on peace or on earth, peace among men who is well pleased. I learned this out of the King James, okay? Glory to God in the house, and peace on earth, and goodwill to men, okay? I, that's what I learned, and I can hardly read that passage without it just taking over. But the, the point is, those angels were giving glory to God because He had sent His Son. They, they, it was the same message. It was the same message the first angel had shared. God had poured out His peace on people. Whether you realize this or not, apart from Christ, we are at war with God. There's enmity between us and God. There's war. But the angel says, peace has been poured out. And there's no longer any war. There's no longer any battle. God has has poured out peace on you. Now I want you just for a minute to imagine you were one of those shepherds. So when I was in the Christmas play, the plum, the plum position was the shepherd, okay? Because you didn't have to say anything. You got to carry a stick. And when you're, I don't know about kids today, but when I was a kid, if you could legally carry a stick, it was pretty cool. Because that's, we love sticks. I mean, with this, you know, hell, I'm not going to go into that. I don't give your children ideas, okay? But sticks were big deals, okay? You could, you could do a lot with a stick. And so here you had, you had, you had the, you had the towel and the little claw, I mean, the, the, the rope around your head. You had your bathrobe on. I mean, it was a plumb position, okay? I mean, you'd have to say anything. You got to stand up there and, and you know, just stand there. We've sort of, we've made the shepherds, in my, anyway, in my life, the shepherds were kind of heroes. But in the culture that they lived in, the shepherds were the least of the least, the worst of the worst. Okay? We, we, don't, we don't think about that. Those shepherds, basically, in, in Bethlehem, Bethlehem was the place where the, the sheep were raised for the sacrifices, the majority of the sacrifices that went on in Jerusalem. They were especially the place where the one-year-old lambs were raised for Passover. And if, if you know anything about Judaism and if you know anything about history, on Passover, every family roasted a lamb. And so it was necessary to have a large quantity of them close by. And these lambs were not just run-of-the-mill lambs. These lambs had no blemishes. They had no 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 birth defects. There was there there was no sick ones. These were the these were the plum ones. Okay, the prize ones. These were the best ones. And not only that, they were probably owned by the high priest's family. Okay, now you sort of see the the high priest. Guess what? We sell the the lambs to the travelers who come. They they can't bring a lamb. So it was a money making. Thing. But these were the shepherds that took care of them. They, 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 there was a giant flock, and, and at night they would bring this flock together, and they, the shepherds 
would set guards over it, and they would live out in the in the in the in the bush and in the in the in the wilderness there uh, for months at a time, probably. And these these shepherds took care of these lambs. These were the ones, as I mentioned, that had been approved for sacrifice. They took care of the sacrificial herd, in essence. Now you would think that they were uh, appreciated. They weren't. Okay, they couldn't go to the temple. They raised the lambs that went to the temple, but they themselves could never set foot in the temple. They couldn't even go to the synagogue. They were perpetually, in a sense, unclean, ceremonially unclean, because they handled dead animals, and there was a lot of feces around. Okay, that's a nice way of putting it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They had the herd. Okay, there wasn't much way to avoid things. And so that made a Jewish person unclean if they touched either of those things. So shepherds were perpetually unclean. And they were, they were the fringe of society. And yet they took care of the most precious thing in the, in the Jewish system of sacrifice. And who does God send the message to? Not to the, he doesn't send it to the king. He sends it to them. He sends it to the caretakers of the sacrifice. The ones that were responsible for taking care of the sacrifice. The ones who would give their life to make sure that the sacrifices were where they were supposed to be and that they were protected. And God sends the message to them. In essence, in their culture, they were shut out from God, but they weren't. God made sure they got the message first. He made sure in going to them that, that we understand that the message, folks, is for everybody. It's for anybody. It's for those who can come to church and those that don't. Okay, It's, it's for those who are affluent and have everything they need and those that don't. It's the guy who stands on the corner begging. It's the guy with the sign when you get on the exit there at the interstate. It's the drug addict. Okay? It's the prostitutes. It's everybody. This message is for everybody. The angel said it's for all, which shall be for all people. It's an inclusive, not an exclusive message. It's an inclusive message. It includes everybody. The shepherds heard the message. And I read the latter part of that verse because God wanted to make sure they didn't miss it. I don't know how many babies were born in Bethlehem that night, okay? But there was only one baby that was lying in a manger, all right? We think, well, it had swaddling clothes on. Well, people have swaddled babies since the beginning of time, okay? They still swaddle them. We, we learned when my granddaughter was born how to wrap that blanket, and it's just it's swaddling. That's all it is. It's, it's just a firm connection, and, and they feel safe. And they feel protected. But there are not going to be many babies in a manger, in a feeding trough. And so the angels tell the shepherds that. And, you know, I don't know. This is not in Scripture. This is just part of my imagination. But I would imagine the angels led them to the place. Because otherwise, I don't know that they would have found uh, the baby. You say, well, the star was there. Well, 
Uh, not if you read Scripture really carefully. The star appears later, okay? I, I know that just freaked some of y'all's major scenes out, and, but I'm not going to try to explain it today, today okay? So they went, and, and the Scripture says they went immediately to see it. And they, went, they found the place, they found the stable. And, and, and you know, I, all of you have heard the stories of the innkeeper and how awful he was or how good he was. I mean, he's just an innkeeper. His inn is full. It's, you know, Jerusalem is packed. Everybody's going to their hometowns to register for the, for the census. They got to go, so the roads were, were just full of people. He didn't have any room. And so he says, hey, I've got a little room in my stable. If you want it, it's yours. Now, good or bad, that's just the way the story is, okay? And so Mary gives birth to Jesus in a stable. He identifies with the lowliest folks. That's all of us when we get down to it. That's all of us. And the shepherds go, and it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. And when they had seen this, when they had seen this baby in this manger... They made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by shepherds. What statement did they share? Exactly what the angels gave them. Stop being afraid. We've got good news for you. We have a Savior who's come and God sent him. That's it. That's the message they shared. They shared it with everybody that they met. God's message, folks, has not changed. It's the same simple message. It's the message of Christmas. Stop being afraid. We have a Savior. God sent Him. That's it. Now, as you get into chapter 2, some things begin to happen. In verse 21, it, it talks about the circumcision uh, of the baby. And, and that was a Jewish custom. On the eighth day, they circumcised the baby. That was a part of the law. Now, there's a, a little bit of a, a break between 21 and 22. Most of us think what happened in 22 happens immediately, but it doesn't. Okay, They circumcise the baby. They give him his name on the eighth day. Now, whether they did that at the temple, I don't know. Whether they did that at a synagogue, I don't know. It, 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 scripture doesn't tell us. But it tells us that, that in verse 22, and when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses was completed, that means 40 days after the birth of Jesus. 40 days later, they go to the temple. If you pay really close attention to the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph were Orthodox Jews, okay? They kept the law. They did what they were supposed to. They followed the commandments. And so 40 days later, it was necessary for Mary as a mother, because she had had a, a child, to go and make purification for herself. A part of the law called that, that she had to offer up a sacrifice. And not only that, uh, because Jesus was her first son, it was necessary that they dedicate that Lord, that child to the Lord. You see, the firstborn always belonged to the Lord. And so Mary and Joseph go up to the temple. And, and you know, these are these are folks from the country. These are folks from Galilee. I mean, it was a big deal 
They climbed those steps, probably uh, went through the eastern gate and uh, the beautiful gate, went up into the temple. And I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's just, it's beyond uh, amazing. It'd be like some of us probably that have never been to New York City, okay? I mean, I remember going to Atlanta and just doing this. And I had people walking around me like, where did this old boy come from? But it was just amazing, the buildings. And I would, I would imagine Mary and Joseph were, were just overwhelmed somewhat with the beauty of the, of the, of the temple there. And so the, they walk up into the temple. It's a big day. It's a big day for them. This is the day they dedicate their, their son to the Lord. This is the day that they make the purification rites. This is a, a big part of their faith and their beliefs. And all of a sudden, this old guy comes up to him. His name's Simeon. Simeon means to hear. That's what his name means, to hear. And Simeon had heard God speak on numerous occasions. And basically, I'm going to give you the, the boil down version of what the message was. Simeon, you will not die until you see the Messiah. That's what God had told him. You will not die until you see the Messiah. And so Simeon lived in a state of expectancy. Because he's an old man. Okay? He's an old man. And every day is this the day. Is this the day. And just imagine you're Simeon. And all of a sudden you hear this. Simeon, today is the day. And God says, there he is. And I just love what Simeon does. He doesn't just go, mm, 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 mm. wow, I don't want to bother that young couple. They, they look like they're all, I mean, he runs up, he bursts in, he takes that baby up out of Mary's arms, and he just has a, a come apart, basically. And he says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 29 and 32. He says, now, Lord... Thou dost let thy bonds depart in peace. In other words, God, now I can die. I can come home to you. I have seen according to thy word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. What, what, what was he saying? Same thing the angel said. Same thing the shepherd said. Don't be afraid. We can stop living in fear. The baby is good news. This baby is good news. It's the news we've been looking for. It's the Savior. He's come and God has sent us the Messiah. This old man recognized that. And he he begins to prophesy. I mean, he prophesies out loud. Now, I'm sure with the commotion, people begin to gather around. And he just begins to share with Mary what's about to happen. And as he's sharing... And then the crowd is gathering. The good news is getting shared. And there's another individual there. A lady named Anna or Hannah. And Hannah's name means grace. And she's the daughter, Scripture says, of Phanuel. And if you put her name kind of together, it's face-to-face grace. (laughs) Okay? Names are important in Scripture. If you just take a minute or two when you're reading a passage to figure out what those names mean, you will see that God has even used people who had specific names in the stories that He shares with us. 
Simeon hears to hear. He's heard God. Now, Hannah is going to show the grace of God. And Hannah is an interesting character. Uh, And I'll share a little bit with you. But what happens is the Holy Spirit has just kind of touched down on the Temple Mount. Okay? Simeon's, he's about to have a, a fit. And here comes... A little old lady, and she is having a fit. Okay, she's she's all over the place, and 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 what it is is that at the Temple Mount is, is is blazing with the glory of God. Now, Scripture is is I'm going to give you two options here. You take the one you want, okay? But Scripture says that that she was advanced in years, having lived with a husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow. And some passages will say 84 years, and the New American Standard says to the age of 84. Literally, the Hebrew, I mean, the Greek is, is, is unclear, but it seems to point to the fact that some people would say she was 84 years old. But it seems to lean to the place that she had, when she had married, if you do the math, she was probably 14. She lived with a husband until she was 21. And now she had lived in the temple surrounds for 84 years. So that would make her 105. Okay? Scripture says she was advanced in age. Okay? And, and, and the other thing which is interesting is that she lived on the temple mount. She lived in the court of the women. Okay? That's as close as she could get. <laughs> She never went home. She fasted. She prayed. This is the place that she lived. She was anticipating the coming of the Messiah. And so, Scripture says also that she was a prophetess, that she prophesied, that she heard what God said and she spoke it. That's what she did each day. And, and she breaks out. She just, I mean, she comes running up. Now, you know, I've not met many People that were 105. I, I had a grand, great, my grand, grandfather lived to be 107. And I did meet, I did go to see him after he, he turned 101 or so. He didn't get around real well. Okay. Here's a little lady. She comes running up. She, she busts right up in the middle of everything. And, and, and it says that at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God. She just went into worship. And it says, and continued to speak of him. And literally that word continued there means, and she continued and continued and continued and continued as long as you want to continue. As long as there were people to listen, Hannah shared the message. And this is what the message was. She continued to speak of him. Who, of who? Jesus. To all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. You know who heard the message? This hadn't changed. Everyone heard the message. You know who believed? Those who were looking. Those who were looking. Those who were looking. They may not have realized what they were looking for, but they were looking. And Hannah begins to share that message. What was her message? Hey, we can stop living in fear. Same message the angel shared, same message the shepherd shared, same message that Simeon shared. We can stop living in fear. The Savior has come and God has sent Him. 
Folks, Simeon begins to prophesy. Anna begins to have a worship service. And you know what? That message has not changed. For 2,000 years, that message has been shared. Now, we're here because somebody shared it with us. If the Lord lingers 10 years, 15 years, 100 years, will there be anybody, not just here, but in any church, because we've been faithful with the message that we've been given. See, all of us heard the message. Now we have a responsibility to share the message. What's the message? You don't have to be afraid any longer. Jesus is the good news you've been waiting for. God sent him. He's come to save you from your sins. Folks, that's the gospel. That's just the simple gospel message that turned the world upside down. That's the message of Christmas, really. There's not another one. There's lots of things that have been added on, but that's the kernel, the truth, the core of Christmas. Our challenge is to be as faithful as those who came before us in sharing the facts. We don't have to be afraid anymore. The good news has come. God has sent His Son to save us from our sins. God sent Him. Folks, if we will just share that, people will be changed. See, the, the, most people don't know that. I watched I watched Christmas specials. Some of them are cheesy, and some of them are terrible, and a few of them are good. Okay, but on every Christmas special, there'll be one moment where they sing "Silent Night" or they sing another Christmas carol that shares the gospel. Most of the time, the people singing it don't even understand the message that they're singing. We understand the message. We're recipients of that grace. That grace changed our lives. We have to be responsible in sharing that grace with others. We have to be responsible in sharing it with our children. See, what we share with our children, they will share with their children and their children and their children. So it's important, folks, that we drill that message deep. Okay? Because they're going to hear all kinds of things out there. All kind of options. We have to be faithful in sharing it at home first. But we also have to be faithful in sharing it wherever we go. Like I mentioned at the beginning. If you will just tell God. God, I'll share it with whomever you bring into my presence. God will specifically prepare people who can hear what you have to say. And how you say it. He won't bring you that person with 10,000 questions. He'll bring that person that you have the message to share with who can hear what you have to say. Folks, our challenge is to be faithful. And and during this time of year, we have to be faithful with our family. We have to be faithful with those we work with. Well, I can't do so-and-so and and this and that. Okay, then ask God to give you opportunities to do what you can do. Okay? Lord, open the door where I can be faithful and truthful about you to these people that I work with every day. Some of you spend more time with people that you work with than you do at home. Folks, they need the gospel just as as much as the folks in your home do. So we've got to be faithful. And also, we have to, you know, we're going to run into strangers. Everybody that we meet. The message is for everyone. 
And I'm going to close. Here's the message one more time. And it's, it's in the language of the angel. The angel says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You need a Bible verse to share the gospel with? Right there's a Bible verse. Write it down, put it in your billfold, stick it in your purse, and take it out and use it. If we'll share it, God will do the rest. Folks, our job is not to save people. Y'all do understand that. Our job is just to plant seeds. It's to share the message. We're to share the facts, and we're to be faithful. God will do the rest. If we'll be faithful, we'll share the facts. He'll take care of the flock, okay? He'll take care of increasing His body. He has given us, He's given us the message. The angels entrusted, He entrusted it to the angels who then entrusted it to us. Folks, we have the message. If we'll be faithful, God will do His part. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.